healthcare system is broken, but it doesn't have to be. This is Revenue Cycle Optimized by Infinix Healthcare. We discuss the latest challenges in the revenue cycle space and provide actionable tips on how to overcome them at your organization. Well, hello, everyone. Thank you again for joining this week's Office Hours with Infinex. We are, as promised, doing our credentialing services part two. I know a lot of us were on the call back in May. We, again, are hosted by our infamous Bo Bowman, our SVP of Strategic Accounts for Credentialing Services, and really just here to talk a little bit more deep diving into our current challenges in the environment post-pandemic when it comes to credentialing for providers and with payers. Bo, would you like to say hello to everybody? Sure. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. Just need to be a part of this kind of follow-up. I thought we had a really neat session last time where we hit on you know, kind of the, the disciplines of credentialing services that a lot of our clients or soon-to-be clients could run into. And Infinix is, is kind of deeply rooted in partnership with all of our clients. And so we want to make sure we're bringing the latest kind of trends that are going on with enrollment and credentialing. And that's what we're going to hit on today. Great. Thanks so much, Bo. So with us getting started on the first question that we've got for Bo is what are the common problems that payers and providers are dealing with when it comes to enrollment? Sure. So a lot of pain points here that we've seen probably this calendar year kind of really going all the way back to kind of say spring of 2021, we're really a couple of years into it and we hear it quite a bit, you know, specifically with payer enrollment, as I've talked with our team and, you know, kind of other folks in the industry, delays in communication from the carrier or from the payer, you may have four or five enrollments out there that you're trying to get done for either a new group, new provider, and potentially a, a new facility on radiology, surgery, or dental. And so we could see six weeks go by after we've completed the initial documentation and paperwork for a new enrollment. Very hard to get an email or a phone call or a support ticket kind of followed up on specifically by the big payers and not trying to harp on them or point them out, but there, there remains to be a prioritization issue with some of the major carriers. So if you were to bring us along as a, a supporter or an extension of your credentialing group, we have a, a strong labor team that is good at follow-up. And so whether it's reaching out to a representative at that payer and just explaining, hey, this is important for our client, where are we in the queue right now? And trying to define that relationship goes a long way. Yeah, you, you talked about some of those mechanisms of communication between sending an email and it goes into you for a help desk ticket, getting on the phone and waiting. And a lot of that, what our payers are experiencing when they're talking with the providers, we're taking time out of the day for the providers to help see patients. They're trying to find documentation. So other than some of those delays, are there any other delays that we have and that we're aware of that we've solved for with even new or re-enrollments on the payer side? A couple of points to hit on there, yes. So maybe in the past, uh, there was a kind of a, a regular communication flow with the payer, specifically with the with the teams that were receiving the enrollment documentation that we're sending. And there was an honest conversation there about, you know, hey, we have not been able to process your four or five enrollment applications. We understand you need to start the provider. Maybe they're a surgeon on call where they're meeting community demand. And so on that note, we would, you know, if you will, open a case with a payer. And so if we generated, say, 100 claims, 
with that provider for a potential payer group, then those claims would be held. And as that provider's enrollment was finished and they became par on the plan, then we would go through and, and, and file those claims. So now you're getting into the kind of the concept of retroactive approval on authorizations to have those claims paid. Um, quite simply, those days are over. There's, there's not the labor staff. There's not the follow-up that the carriers have in place right now for that to happen. So we just want to make it clear that if you're to bring in Phoenix on as, as your support team there, then we're going to have pretty hard and fast deadlines on when enrollments have to be submitted. And we're going to work with the client to explain, hey, yeah, you, you may have to start that particular provider at a certain time, but here's what you're looking at based on the communication that we have back from the payer now in, in the instance of any retroactive authorizations we may need. But again, payer labor shortages, payer staff to do these enrollments after we've submitted them, it's a real challenge for them right now. You know, they, they're having to work through what work from home policy looks like for them, just like the rest of us are. And, and unfortunately, I don't think that leads to the same level of productivity that we saw prior to the pandemic. You had mentioned about retroactive approvals on enrollment. I understand that that's no longer happening and that there were major delays on both sides. Why is that that they've stopped working on the retroactive approvals? You know, it's it's no secret, you know, say January 1 to today, June 1, if you kind of just keep up with current reading in the industry, the payers have continued to hold claims. You know, Becker's reported that about 33% of all provider, so professional fee claims, were held on payment for upwards of 90 days. And we're not entirely unaccustomed to that, but it usually takes place in, say, the first 30 days of a new year. So hard to predict exactly what carriers and payers are up to, but there's no doubt that they're analyzing the outflow of claims based on what I would argue are post-pandemic adjusted volumes. In other words, they're, they're looking at the average amount of claims and volume that's coming through that they're going to have to pay out for the year. And to ensure they can meet those liability at the end of the day, they're, they're analyzing that and holding some of those claims. Well, that, that gets back to, well, are they going to approve and pay out any sort of retroactive or, or retro authorizations that we need to ensure that although we submitted the enrollment on time, maybe 60 days, 90 days, 120 days in advance, due to delays that we've recently discussed, we're still not going to have that particular group or that particular provider par on that plan, but we have to go forward and see X amount of patients. And so a very difficult time to say the least. But again, if if you choose to come along with us, we'll assign at least a couple of people to your particular case or your particular need. And then we've got very skilled managers that oversee our teams and have between 20 and 25 years of experience on working with the carriers to, to try and find resolution. Great. As far as lack of seasonality in a provider in the payment enrollment, what can be done to help improve that knowledge and, and bring that information into both sides of the coin? You know, that's a great question. And kind of what we're doing today is now that we are kind of post-pandemic and we can get back into some of the offices and kind of meet with, with either the principal, maybe that's an administrator that has one or two people in the office that are responsible for some of the credentialing and enrollment and, and specialist work. We, we love to get on and do some training. We love to get on and kind of do some auditing, 
So we'll bring in a manager or we'll bring in one of our credentialing specialists and we'll actually work with the client's team. So the tough part about the seasonality piece of this is, you know, say early summer, you've got a big group of medical residents that have finished their residency and it's time for them to have signed their employment and then they're going to go out into the world and, and start their careers. And oftentimes there is a book of patients ready for them to see come August or September. Well, that's really tough because we, we really need to move their enrollment down the road and, and move their applications down the road. And you can't really do that until June or July because they don't have all their licensure in place. So this is pushing us back to September, October, November. And that's a really tough start for a first-time person. So, you know, again, just kind of being able to follow the, the path of what the carriers are doing and what the trends are. And again, we'll go in and educate a, an office or a group of people on, hey, this is exactly how you fill out all the enrollment forms. These are all the necessary documentation you're going to need. We'll audit that for them and help them submit it in a way that hopefully is accepted first time. And we've seen that recently. We've recently brought up a couple of surgical practices, neurosurgery, and some pain management practices. And by submitting all the documentation correctly the first time, you will get a response from the payer that says, hey, we've approved your application. Well, that's that's important, right? At least we're hearing from them. At least the application is clean. That does allow for the communication stream over those next 60, 90 days to go very well. Whereas if you submit either an incomplete application or an application with dated information or an application without the right kind of licensure, et cetera, you know, you're exactly, you know, kind of off to a slow start there and that can cause more delays. Back in earlier conversation, we talked about the modalities of communication between providers and payers. What are some of the winning strategies, not only other enrollment agencies, but specifically Infinex, does to ensure the bi-directional flow of that enrollment information? Sure. I'm really getting into a little bit of technology kind of function here. So we see this maybe in the dental HMO space in the anesthesia space, GI, basically where you have large groups. And it's, so it's really important that you're not just going to use one or two or even six people to help process the level of application and, and enrollment need that a group like that's going to have. So no doubt we have a, a very smart team in place led by engineers that know how to put together algorithms that ultimately allow us to use some version of, of artificial AI to be able to log into payer portals, to be able to log into hospital portals, to be able to hit on a very regular basis those sources where the information for approvals lives. Um, so again, we'll sit down with the client and we'll walk through, hey, oh, you have 15 facilities that you need brought up and you need your, your, your facility ID properly credentialed and enrolled. And then you, maybe you have 20 providers per facility. How can we help with that? So again, we'll sit down and kind of walk through how an algorithm can be put together so we can put some AI to work to help with really what becomes a very constant and regular update to communication as to where both each provider and each facility is in their journey, potentially to get approved with a given payer for claims processing. So as far as preparations for doing enrollment for a provider, there's checklists, there's lists of documentation that, that need to be prepared. What are some of the, the items on that checklist? And then what are the requirements that functions can be automated with that? Sure. We love, we, we tell all of our clients, let's start with your CAQH profile. CAQH is, is very important. And a lot of people think I, I fill it out once and I'm good to go. Well, no, we've 
We've worked with clients where the CAQH profile expires. It needs to be updated. You know, maybe there's an additional board certification. Maybe your boards have, have run out and expired and you've got to go back in and renew them. All of that information, or, or maybe you've taken on some new licensure, all of that information has to be updated on a very regular basis. So again, having that personal relationship with the provider, with the group, to be able to say, oh, this nurse practitioner, um, she's moved up to being a nurse anesthetist, and here's all of her documentation. Well, we have to take that, and we have to go load that in those profiles. Same thing with your state standardized credentialing application. Your state standardized credentialing application for a given provider needs to be updated on a real regular basis. So, so what do we do? We basically help you put together a portfolio for each provider. And if you have software to do that, then we can work inside of your software to help you. If it's a manual process and we're just maintaining it through Excel or maybe a project management software, we'll help you do that too. So in some instances, maybe it's a, a small four-man family practice and, and you know, we'll have a portfolio built for each one and we'll work with the client to make sure the portfolio has all the updated licensure. So when we go try to get you enrolled on that new Medicare Advantage plan that's new to the market, we've got four updated portfolios. Or maybe if it's a much, much larger group, then we'll either work inside of your software or we'll provide software to keep those portfolios updated as we go through and try and complete, a, a, again, maybe a new enrollment for a new plan that's that's new to the market that you've had an updated letter of, of intent signed on. And, and I can't go without saying before in our last call, we talked about white, white glove service, our customer service that we offer. And that really goes together when it comes to all of these steps that have to happen, whether it's automated, whether it's through those different modalities of communication, but the staff that, that we have is able to help and solve for any of those situations. They've got enough experience to be able to help smooth that transition. Sure. Um, so great. What are the pros and cons of implementing a new software and, and expedite that enrollment process? Sure. Just kind of building on what we were just discussing, right? And so, man, there is a lot of options out there today. If you just Google either credentialing or payer enrollment or credentialing specialist software, you get 12 or 14 hits back pretty quick. And it can be daunting, um, to kind of figure out what's right for you. So a good, good time to look at service agreements with us and we can come on either on a consulting basis or if you want, we can take on the full implementation of a new software for you or advise maybe what will be the best for you. Another important thing, I would say one of the pros of having a, a, a credentialing software or an enrollment software is once all the data is in the software, it does a really good job in, in whether it's one app or credentialing stream or whatever some of the big ones are out there, we can go in there for you and we can set up reminders. We can set up tasking. We can set up purging if a provider is, is, is done and is leaving the group. And then we can have it send out updates to the principals in the group as well as our team. Again, so everybody's on the same page. So I would say, if you will, it's a, it's a good GPS to understand what's going on on a month-to-month -month basis for your enrollment and credentialing service. I'd say some of the cons is, is work intensive as it is of tracking everything with manual spreadsheets. Software can be pretty work intensive also, right? And so it takes training. You gotta get everybody trained on it. So that's that's arguably, it could be a challenge. 
And then there's folks that still may have a learning curve and, and are so used to moving through how they were doing it in spreadsheets or maybe smart sheets. And now they got to use the application. So a little bit of ramp up there. And, and then there's the expense of it, right? You got to kind of figure out at the end of the year and you're paying the monthly subscription dues on that. Has that been worth it? And I would argue if you're, if you're trying to produce clean claims and keep your denial queues very low and not have any denials due to either authorization, credit or similar issues, then I would say a credentialing software that is affordable and fits your needs is, is probably a really good idea. Yeah, like you said, there's a lot of moving parts that go along with it. So depending on the staff in the offices and in the hospital systems, even on the payer side, it's really a lot of effort that has to go into credentialing providers and for services. What are some of the similarities between the enrollment for a payer provider and a hospital credentialing for appointments and reappointments processing? Great question. Yeah, so we want to make sure that we kind of cover all bases and this kind of second part of, of credentialing services follow-up. So the hospital is a little bit different space, right, than just straight, say, payer enrollment or provider enrollment. At, at that point, the hospital is kind of leading the way, and, and we are attempting to make sure we're in alignment with all of the documentation that needs to be submitted. Deadlines get very, very important, in my experience, in the health system and in the hospital arena, there is a credentialing committee that meets each month, and it may be for specific credentials that have to be released, or it may be for just new privileges that a provider is coming on or renewal of those privileges. So the hospital has its own set of requirements that has to be met. And again, Ben Phoenix and our group can come along and and have those set of requirements shared, and then we'll assign and task out to one of our team members to come alongside either the provider group or whatever that may look like and make sure we're hitting all of those requirements. They can get quite detailed, right? We have to go back and pull, say, years of procedures that that particular provider did to ensure they met the minimum procedures needed to be recredentialed for services allowed, maybe in the cardiology surgery or other procedural space. And so the appointments and reappointments inside the hospital credentialing space are, are arguably a little bit more complex because the forms aren't always the same. They're not standardized. There's no CAQH or standardized credentialing application or Medicare rules that apply and those types of things. So it's it's really us really trying to kind of help you develop what exactly your hospital is going to be expected to want out of the provider. And again, building that portfolio of knowledge where we can both share and upload documentation to it to include an initial discovery call with the provider, him or herself, to ensure we're getting you know everything that they think is valuable and needed in an upcoming reappointment or credentials committee that they may have to attend the meeting and attest to. We talk about all the documentation that's required and to be organized and prompting submission for appointments and reappointments for licensure, training, specialty, and history work of the predator. What is the best strategy to really handle that to make sure the outcome is positive and, and get that disposition of approval? Sure. You got to have a monthly meeting, right? And this is one of those things that I know that sounds so simple, but this is one of those things that really fell apart during the pandemic, right? We literally had medical practices attempting to function, see all of their patients virtually, send all of their clinical administrative staff home and attempt to have them work for home. Well, credentialing and licensure and portfolios kept for each provider, a lot of that kind of went to the wayside. 
And so 16, 18, 20 months goes by. We haven't looked at those things. There's been tons of expirations, maybe on licensure, both at the CMS and at the state level. So now you're a little bit behind the eight ball. Great time to, to look at Infinix services, right? We can come along and we can do an audit of your documentation for each of your providers. We can match that up against a reference guide that we have that we can supply you and kind of, again, work hand in hand to make sure you have all of the documentation needed that you're either going to need for your hospital appointment, potential payer re-enrollment, those types of things. And so again, whether it's us just coming alongside of you and helping you build your own internal system, or maybe providing a project management software opportunity that you can sign up for and use are, are all helpful things that you can do. But at the end of the day, you know, credentialing services as a whole, enrollment services are a whole, I don't like to use the word necessary evil. They're, they're not a necessary evil, but if you don't do these administrative functions correctly, it will interrupt your cash flow, right? It will interrupt your claims processing. And we saw this from really the summer of 2022, I would say the fall of 2022, the problems aren't as bad now, but I think there's a lot of shortcuts that some, some folks are out there taking. And sometimes those shortcuts work and they're great. But many times you you find yourself paying FTEs and associates to just be on the phone with the with the payers all day long, and, and that's not a good use of time. And so we'd love the opportunity to come alongside and help you. Well, thank you, Bo, for all of the information that you provided for us today. Any last comments or suggestions that you'd like to bring up? You know, I, I think the labor topic is a big one, right? The labor topic is what really drives this entire conversation. Maybe prior to the pandemic, you had that nice loyal one or two or three or four people in the office, or maybe you were utilizing a service and then really a lot of that kind of broke up or dissipated again, really over these past couple of years. And now there's a bit of a restart. We're trying to figure out who's going to come in and work in the office and who's going to continue to do these services on a kind of work from home basis. And that's a lot of stress to the administrator or the principal of the practice. And there's there's a real benefit at the end of the day saying, hey, I'm going to have a vendor take care of this, right? Because I can I can hold that vendor accountable on a monthly basis. And and really paying that vendor is, is at the end of the day, is quite a bit easier than, than maintaining one or two or three associates, their pay, they need annual merit increases, they need benefits, they need all of those things. So I've been on both sides, right? I've, I've been a medical practice administrator, a health system administrator, and I've been on the vendor side. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I'd, I'd be looking for a vendor partner that can help me through all of these kind of, if you will, spikes and, and peaks and valleys in, in the labor uh, not just the labor shortage, but lack of labor expertise in some of these very acute and complex areas, such as enrollment, such as hospital credentialing, and such as, again, how to navigate technology and let Infinix bring some of our technology solutions to the table to, to help you out and really lessen the burden. Well, again, thank you, Bo, for all of your expertise and, and joining us again today. I do want to thank everybody on our team for putting this together for us on a weekly basis. It's very much appreciated and all of you for joining. We will be in touch soon for next week's seminar. Again, I'm Melissa Fogner. And um, if you have any further information, inquiries about Infinex, feel free to come to our website and we will be in touch with you soon. Take care, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Subscribe to get notified when our next episode is online. For more information for how we can help you increase reimbursements at your company, check out our website at infinix.com. That's I-N-F-I-N-X dot